This is the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by Matty Ice. And now, your host, Matty Ice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Soulfully Casual Podcast brought to you by Matty Ice Media. I'm your host, Matty Ice, and it's another gloomy Friday here. It's been that way for a couple days here in Virginia, but honestly, we're about ready to get some oppressive heat. And to be honest, I like a good rainy day. I'm not sure if that was on my guilty pleasures list or if that was on one of my top five favorite things, or little things, but I do like a rainy day. I don't know. Sometimes it's nice when you are out and about all the time, you know, doing things all the time, hustling all the time to get a little bit of a, a rest and a rainy day allows for that. So um, on Wednesday, I talked about the Naomi Osaka story and I gave word, at least in my own opinions, in my own thoughts to how I felt like it was a complicated issue, but that I felt as if Naomi deserved a little bit of better treatment from the sport that she has helped to elevate over the years. And uh, even thinking about it now, I feel even stronger about it because I know what it's like to go through mental health struggles. I know that so many people go through them, and I know that so many people go through them differently. And it would have been so much nicer to see her own sport understand that, understand that she means something to the long-term health of the sport and to try and accommodate her in any way possible but they didn't and she's taking the time off that she needs to do what she needs to do and I applaud her for that in the last I don't know what week and a half maybe two weeks uh, we've seen more and more instances of people being out in the world Uh, I am now at this point fully vaccinated ready to go we are opening our lives up going out places not to excess or anything like that but It's nice to feel a little bit more of that old normal come back, even though there are some new tendencies we have developed. Um, But we've been seeing a lot of this in the sports world. And the sports world at its best is innocent because we watch it for the stories. We watch it for the endings. We watch it for the glory. A good number of us, and I mean like most of the world, will never play professional sports. We'll never be at the top tier of any type of sport. And most of us love sports, though. I think there is a complicated nature to sports fandom, specifically in the United States, but I think it can also be attributed other places too. If you look at uh, European football, the way that they watch their teams and even just football around the world in general. And when I say football, I'm talking about European football, soccer. Um, We've seen so many instances of racial disparities in, uh, in these fan bases, throwing bananas on the field, racial slurs, players being killed. Famously, I think it was the 1994 uh, World Cup, a player was killed after their team was eliminated early. And I believe he may or may not have let in an own goal. I can't remember. But that brings us to what I consider the toxicity of sports. And I think those are the two ends of the spectrum. The complete innocence, watching a team, watching grown men and grown women play a game, something that everybody does in their front yard, watching them play games and see the innocence in playing a game for a living. And somewhere along the way, we added money, dollars, advertising, um, stakes, championships, things of this nature. It's a cutthroat business, sports is. And at the tail end or the opposite end of that spectrum is the toxicity that I think that the fans bring to the table. And I want to talk about the fan toxicity for a minute because over the last week and a half, there have been numerous incidences along in professional sports that have lent themselves to make me believe that America is not yet ready to be out and about in the world 
uh, in math. Four of those, or five of those, happened within the NBA, um, and I will name them off and see if I can remember them. The first one was Russell Westbrook uh, being walked off the court after being injured and having a fan dump popcorn on him. Ridiculous. Uh, ja Morant, who plays for the Memphis Grizzlies, his parents were in Utah at a road game, road playoff game, and um, some fans in Utah decided that they wanted to tell his mother to shut the F up, B. Just unbelievable stuff right there. A fan running onto the court in Washington to, I don't know, confront or take a selfie with Dwight Howard. That one I don't really get. Uh, streakers have been a thing for decades, but still, I don't, I don't understand that. Uh, in Boston, a fan throwing a water bottle filled with water at Kyrie Irving as he's walking off the court. Ridiculous. Just And, and I'll get to the Boston part a little bit later, but that's ridiculous. And uh, those are the ones that I can remember. Oh, uh, Trey Young being spat on at Madison Square Garden by Knicks fans. So all five of those are disgusting in their own way. All five of them are different, but all five of them share the same quality of dehumanizing somebody. The fans have been allowed the privilege to return back. Why? Because they've done their civic duty and they have gotten the vaccine. And it seems to me that while the vaccine is a good thing, you have done your part, not only for yourself, but for others. It is not a ticket to now be able to do whatever the hell you want. Fans have always had this sense of entitlement at games where I'm paying money to see this uh, team, and so I should be able to act as the way that I would like to. And that's just unequivocally true. When you buy a ticket to the game, you are helping the franchise and you're helping the team. You are there to support the team. You are not there to act like a total jackass. Pardon my French. And that's what we've seen. But it speaks to a larger issue that I see. It speaks to this is sort of a microcosm of what we see in society. We've seen this even during the pandemic. Uh, the last four years of, of Donald Trump being president, we saw a div division in this country of people who seem to think that it was their God-given right to act however they want, to treat people however they want. Overt racism, overt hate, overt anti-Semitism, you know, xenophobia, and all because they felt as if their belief system dictated that they could do that, that their their belief system gave them a right, a birthright, to be able to discriminate in that way. And when we look at the way that these fans are acting, it shows you how they are willing to act toward their fellow man and woman. If they're willing to do this to a basketball player on a court, a basketball player, by the way, who doesn't know them at all, who has no emotional connection to them, and honestly is sort of devoid of any part of their existence, and they don't really care about them because they're there to represent their own financial interests. And I want to say that uh, out front. I understand that a lot of fans are in their feelings and they feel as if these teams and these players should represent that region and they should embody everything about that region that the fans feel is important. Those players are out there for their own self-interest. They're professionals, they are hired, they are paid, and they are out there to look out for obviously the organization in terms of winning, but ultimately, the only people that are going to look out for themselves and their well-being is them. The organizations are trying to not pay them as much as they're worth. And obviously, they have to make sure that they get every penny that they think is befitting of whatever it is their talent level is. And all of these players that have had an incident, except for maybe Dwight Howard, are like the stars of their franchise. These are players that were signed to big money contracts who are there to help elevate a franchise and to help elevate their own brands. 
And John Morant's very young. I mean, he's only been in the league. This is his second year. So he showed a lot of restraint in not basically knocking out the person that talked to his mother that way. I mean, it's just insane that you would think that that was okay. But I just want to point out here that we are now going to start being allowed. And I say allowed because the pandemic is winding down. More and more people are getting vaccinated and the country is opening. So in that way, we are being allowed back into the world. And I think it's really, really important that we remember that those 14 or 15 months off from social interaction have caused a huge rift in how we behave. I personally believe that there are a large number of people who sort of forgot how it was to have personal etiquette, forgot what it was like to think about somebody else. And sure, you can make the argument that during the pandemic, we were forced to think about other people. Many people didn't. Many people thought about themselves. Many people thought that, well, I won't, don't worry about this. I won't get sick. So who cares? I don't have to protect anybody else. And while there is somewhere in between of everybody should protect everybody and you should only protect yourself, there's, there's a middle ground. There, there's a middle ground there. But at the very least, we need to be cognizant of the fact that we are going to be out and about more. We're going to encounter more people. And I think it's really important that we understand that we are going to see more and more of this before it sort of tapers off. But back to the NBA for a minute. I think the NBA is in a really tough spot here. And I don't say tough because they, they don't know what they're supposed to do here. I think it's obvious that they know what they're supposed to do. But I want to take you back to 2004. It was in Detroit, Michigan at the Palace at Auburn Hills. It's a now infamous uh, incident of fans and players fighting in the stands, and it's nicknamed the Malice at the Palace. If you are young enough that you don't remember this, uh, I highly encourage you to Google it. And if you do remember it, I'm sure just hearing that immediately triggers memories of it. Essentially what happened is a fan threw a cup or a bottle of Gatorade or water at one of the players and essentially incited what ended up being almost a riot. The players entered the stands, went after the fans, fans came onto the court. It was just an absolutely insane, insane scene. It's one of the most surreal things in sports I've ever seen. Like, there is no precedent for it, in my opinion. When I look back at my sports fandom, the years that I've been alive, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything even come close to the bizarre nature of it, and quite honestly, the dangerous nature of it. That is obviously not what we want. We do not want fans and players fighting in the stands. However, these incidences that have happened in just the small amount of time that fans have been allowed back into these stadiums is concerning because each and every one of these, to Dave's point on political football, and if you haven't checked that out, wherever you find your podcast, Political Football with Cleve, Dave, and Matty Ice, but to Dave's point, all of those could have turned into a malice in the palace. Every single one of those could have turned into a really, really bad incident. And these incidences, had they escalated to that level, could have caused a lot of physical harm, not for the players. I mean, the players could have been hurt. Obviously, the players could have injured themselves in a scuffle, and that could have cost them future earnings. But these players are at the peak physical conditions of humanity. And uh, most of these fans are not. Most of these fans are not there. And most of the fans that are heckling in this way or doing this are not ones that can really hold their own, let's put it this way. Had any of those players actually confronted these fans and it came to physical violence, there might have been a death. There might have been serious injury. And it's just crazy to me to think about it. It's crazy to me to think about that you don't think that far ahead of throwing a water bottle at a player could escalate to something, that there are no consequences to you. Like, how selfish are you, to be honest? Like, what, what is wrong with you? 
I just don't really get it. I don't really understand, even if you are drunk, even if you're there, look folks, I've been drunk many, many times. I've been blackout drunk many, many times. I'm not ashamed to admit it, but I have never in my life thought to incite violence in that kind of a way. I've never thought to myself, I'm gonna throw something at somebody or dehumanize somebody in a way that is going to possibly incite something incredibly dangerous. And anything that I did when I was drunk, there were consequences to it. If I did something or said something to somebody that they will never forget, that's on me for the rest of my life. I can't take that back. I can't say that I was drunk and just hope, you know, totally throw it out. It doesn't work that way. You're accountable. I'm accountable. And these fans have to be accountable too. So the NBA is in a really tough spot because they need to come down on this as hard as they possibly can and set the tone for the future to let their fans know none of this will be tolerated. And I don't even think that it is the NBA that needs to be doing all of it. I think the NBA can certainly ban fans from any NBA game ever in any arena, but I think it would be extremely powerful if sports arenas in general said this fan is not allowed anywhere for any event ever. Losing that kind of privilege, losing that kind of access is huge. Think about if you're a true fan of that franchise and you do this and you are told that you can never go see them again. That fan might think in the now, well, I don't care. Now you're just not gonna get any of my money. But to be honest, that seat is going to be filled by somebody else. That seat is going to be filled by another set of dollars. And that set of dollars is probably going to act like so much less of a moron and a jackass than you are. And so the organization and the team is going to win as a whole because now they have taken one complete idiot out and put somebody else in. And you know what? If they put somebody else in and that person is the same as you, they'll just keep doing the same thing. There have to be consequences for these things. And it just, it saddens me that people think that it's okay to dehumanize somebody. And I just want to also point out that every single one of these athletes was black. And I'm pretty sure that every single person who dehumanized was white. I don't want to say that there's racist undertones there, but there certainly is something to be said about the fact that they are not throwing popcorn at white guys, right? They're not throwing popcorn at Luka Doncic, who's European. They're throwing popcorn, saying slurs to black you know, players' parents and so forth. And I think that it's incredibly telling in a lot of ways. And it's really sad too. We have come a long way when it comes to social justice. We have come a long way when it comes to racial relations, but we are not there in any sense of the word. And I wanna stress that because I think many people disagree with me that listen, because I know a lot of people who may think that we're in a better place now, that, well, I have black friends or I'm tolerant, so therefore everything is okay. It's not okay. And I want to use an example of, uh, of something to, to sort of highlight that. And Cleve and I are going to get into this on Cowboy Season, I think, at some point. But we were talking about getting back together to work out. And we were talking about working outside. And he and I want to work out at my house here because I have a boxing gym in my garage. And we live in a cul-de-sac. And it's really a perfect place to do the things that we like to do. Uh, and honestly, just to hang out and see each other. Like when we used to work out before, we had weights in a gym and a yoga room, but uh, we didn't have boxing bags. We didn't have things like that. So it's added a little bit to the workout. And I s joked with him that we should box in the cul-de-sac. And I said, put the neighbors on notice. And it was totally joking, but he told me a story about being uh, at the pier and they were, he was hanging out with a bunch of people from Capital MMA, which is down in uh, downtown DC, I think. But it's a combat sports gym, and obviously when you train for combat sports, you are training to fight. 
and there's pad work, right? Punches being thrown, possible sparring and things of this nature. But he was hanging out with the fellas. It was a mixed crowd and they were just having a good time. They were training, laughing and so forth. And everything was great. It was a perfect place to work out, a perfect day to work out. And it's just one of those moments that you you love, right? And then all of a sudden the police arrived and the police arrived because they received the phone call that there was a quote gang fight end quote um, it, it, on the pier. And that gang fight was because somebody looked at a majority of black men uh, working out and throwing fists as something that was dangerous in a gang fight. Why do I bring this up? Well, ha Cleveland said, you know, I couldn't believe the police showed up and they were the guy was really cool and so forth. And, you know, we just he obviously knew that there was nothing like that going on. But I brought up a point to him that not every one of those incidences turns out that innocently. That what people don't realize is that when they weaponize the police by calling them to a scene that they are not fully understanding, it doesn't necessarily mean that the police are going to show up the way that they would show up if they were there. And what I mean by that is, as a white person, when the police show up, I don't feel fear. I feel safety. I feel as if, okay, the situation is going to work itself out. Order has been restored. Because I've never had an experience as a white man that would dictate anything else. But that is not the case for a lot of people. So when these police officers showed up, it could have been much worse than it was. Had they showed up hearing that it was a gang fight, guns blazing, tensions high, things could have ended a lot differently than they did. And I use that to highlight this story because we are not there yet. And when you see these stories of the NBA players having to go through this, it's just, it makes me sad because it lets me realize that even though there are a ton of fans who did their civic duty by getting the vaccine, and probably, I would think, did their civic duty by wearing a mask and so forth, it's very, very clear that one civic duty does not mean that that person is ready for prime time, that that person is the best person that they could possibly be. Because if you got the vaccine for yourself and then you're out here treating players like this, then you really need to go back to the drawing board as a human, because that's really not the way that it works. And so I think the NBA needs to really think about this. I think the NBA needs to take a very, very firm stance. And quite honestly, if it's me, um, if these fan bases keep doing this, then fans shouldn't be allowed at the games at all. And it's kind of like when you're in school and the teacher says, well, everybody has to stay for detention because of one or two kids and you hate it, but it's incentive to sort of filter out the crap from your areas. And what these fans don't realize is that they are a representation and embodiment of the fan base as a whole. And I know that people don't like to hear that. I know that fan bases don't like it because they say, well, that one person doesn't determine who we are, but they represent you because those stories get out, those stories go viral, and they now become part of the lore and the story arc of this, fa of this fan base. Boston is a perfect example. Before the incident with Kyrie, he came uh, on and was interviewed and asked about returning to Boston for the first time. Now, I certainly understand that the way that he left Boston was very unceremonious. It was not the greatest. Uh, there was, you know, lies and deceit and so forth. But again, it's a business. Kyrie has to worry about himself and do whatever is in his best interest. He doesn't owe the city of Boston anything. And so he asked the fans basically to say what you want, but please don't be racist, essentially. And I can tell you right now, I can hear people in Boston having grown up there, having gone there. Uh, they, they took that almost personally, and it almost was asking for it, because most people in Boston don't think that there is a race problem. But what they're not connecting is the racial history of it. There is a history of race relations in Boston that is very unkind. 
and not only opposing players have put words to it but hometown players have put words to it and hometown players that mean something to that town bill russell is the perfect example talking about what he went through even winning 10 or 11 championships the fact that he still was an outcast and treated differently because of the color of his skin was telling and it tells you something about it the red sox were the last franchise to have the, a first black player on the team the yawkies were incredibly racist that's why yawkie way isn't named yawkie way anymore and it's sad because i grew up knowing what yawkie way was but it is what it is the yawkies were terrible and this is reality and so boston not feeling like they should be defined by these one or two bozos well guess what they're part of you they are part of your fan base and when you allow them to speak for you in this way and you are allowing them to speak for you in this way you are because if you're allowing them to do this and you're not and you're basically condoning it by not condemning it publicly then what you have now is of national representation of your fan base you are letting the national media dictate who you are and that's why we have and i say we because i'm a part of that fan base to an extent we have the reputation that we have philadelphia has the reputation that they have because one they booed santa claus and that was a whole lot of people not just one or two but these incidences they represent you they end up being a part of your story and i think that's extremely important so what do i mean in the end honestly we just need to be better and act better remember how to act in public if you're not sure just get out of a situation i mean people are humans okay and we're gonna get out there and we're gonna be back seeing people that we disagreed with in person seeing people that we don't like in person and just remember that sometimes you have to be the bigger person you have to act better you have to set the tone for the situation and if you're not sure google how to act in public Ask your parents if they're still alive how to act in public. Hopefully they taught you something about it because we really need to remember that when we get back, it's going to be a growing, you know, there's going to be growing pains, but we just need to treat people like human beings with respect. So uh, I hope everybody had a great week. I hope everybody has a great weekend coming up. Uh, just one thing, make sure to plug mattyicemedia.com. Look at for all your podcasts. You can find them wherever your podcasts can be found. That includes this show, The Manual, Political Football, Cotton and the Rocket Ship, and cowboy season with cleave and myself um check us out on instagram soulfully casual podcasts and you can message us there and connect with us there i'm hoping to connect with some other shows and some other viewers also thank you to the view the listeners in singapore which we received on wednesday amazing just another country added to the list the show grows day by day and i'm so excited about it i hope everybody's happy and safe i hope everybody has a great weekend and i will talk to you next week see you down the road Soulfully Casual is exclusively owned by Matty Ice and is brought to you by Matty Ice Media.